0: it is losing many allies. So the surface appearance of unity and allegiance uh, is superficial and there are deep cracks that are already existing in these alliances. So I want to, by way of an introduction, impress upon you how the United States is facing mounting problems, both at home and abroad. And these are intractable problems. They are not problems that the United States seems to be easily able to solve. They seem to be dubbing, they seem to be sending the United States in a spiral of decline, of economic chaos, social division, political logjam, etc. And this is going to, I think, worsen very radically in the coming year, given the US elections that are coming up, before there is any hope of it getting better. Uh, And I want to say a couple of things about how I see the the new Cold War, de dollarization, and the question of global governance being lived. And the phenomena that so many of us are now calling de dollarization. Uh, in talking about de I have argued in my work that you have to understand de dollarization as, as resting on two pillars. One of those pillars is the, ex- the rise of external challenges, the increasing uh, centrality of China as a source of world finance, the ability of countries to start trading in one another's currencies, currency swaps, alternatives to SWIFT, blah, blah, and so on. These are the most talked about. So the second pillar... So, in addition to the external challenges, the second pillar on which de dollarization rests are the internal contradictions of the dollar system. And they are very fundamental. In fact, you cannot understand de dollarization without understanding these internal contradictions because otherwise, you will, not un- you will understand why people may prefer others, uh, other alternatives but you will not understand the collapse of the dollar system when it comes. And that is not that long in the future. And this is rarely mentioned, it is rarely understood, indeed, we have an entire industry, an academic industry of people, largely based in the United States, whose sole purpose is to deny the internal contradictions of the dollar system and make it look as though it is the most natural thing in the world for the dollar to dominate the world economy and how this dominance is going to continue forever and ever. Obviously, uh, I think most of us are aware that things are not going well for, uh, for the US, in, uh, both internationally and domestically, but it's useful to just enumerate what are some of the main issues. So, obviously, the US's economic weight in the world economy is declining. As a consequence, of course, it is waging the uh, a New Cold War. It is essentially engaging in, in fairly comprehensive and hybrid aggression on many fronts, of which, of course, China. And lately, Russia had these particular targets. Uh, nevertheless, and partly because of this, uh, these sanctions, because of this declining economic weight, sanctions are boomeranging. It is losing many allies, and even those who are left face a complex conundrum. Because what the United States must demand from these remaining allies, uh, which is a level of uh, a masochism, a level, of ability to accept punishment basically ensure that this scenario is not going to be split How long can you keep your allies if you are imposing such costs on your allies? So the surface appearance of unity and allegiance uh, is superficial and there are deep cracks that are already existing in these alliances. And finally, Things are so bad for the United States that it is actually destroying the very system of open world governance. That is to say, a world governance based on the principle of free markets and free trade, whose principal purpose is to open up subordinated economies so that they may serve the interests of US corporations and so on. So, uh, this very system of world governance, which it has been trying to created and maintained since the end of the Second World War, it is now forced to attack against the rest of the of system. This is what is happening internationally. Domestically, its economy is wired in productive decline. Uh, inequality in the United States is reaching unprecedented levels and the cause of both of these is the heightened level of financialization that the U.S. has engaged in since the 1970s. And which is the accompaniment of the dollar's world growth. Today, the dollar's world growth would not exist were it not for this casino like uh, and, and, and loan shop, uh, like predatory lending, speculative uh, activity, etc., that occurs today in the US financial system. Thirdly, uh, the, the, the U.S. History, what the US policies are creating social conflict, and indeed the social conflict is sometimes so bad that over the last couple of years, I'm sure many of you know, there have been books and articles written on the possibility of a of civil war in the United States. This is not a uh, uh, light thinking. I think this is very real. It is necessary for the United States today to fight against inflation and the return of inflation is actually one of the principal symptoms of the US's imperial decline. The return of inflation thing happened in the 1970s when the imperial system was properly and it's happening again today. The United States must necessarily fight against inflation but in doing so it will endanger the very financial system that it has created. But so essentially the US Federal Reserve is caught between a rock and a hard place. If it doesn't attack inflation, the dollar will be undermined because it is losing its value. If it attacks inflation, it is going to undermine the financial system which is also necessary to retain the dollar's foreign gold. So it is damned if it does and it damned if it doesn't. So this is the situation. Further the US military record is one of quagmire and defeat after defeat. So all around, I would say, the contradictions are mounting. Now, what is causing all this? To put this in perspective, let's look at the, Pol- at the end of the Cold War. At the end of the Cold War, the, uh, everybody thought that now the world would be united, peacefully united, under the unipolar leadership or hegemony of the United States. The United States would enjoy unrivaled power, it was the only remaining superpower etc. a what has happened is that instead of unipolarity, we have multipolarity, and uh, multipolarity has uh, has occurred because of the decline of the United States and the rise of the West, both of which are in turn the result of the adoption of neoliberalism by the United States and the rejection of neoliberalism in whole or in part, preeminently by China and to a lesser extent by so, the uh, US is declining, the rest are rising, the United States is reacting, so no unipolarity, multipolarity instead, and the United States is reacting to this reality with unrestrained aggression, military and hybrid. So, you see uh, that there is no peace here either. But we could also look further back into history to put this in perspective. What we see is, the, the first of all, is the US failure to successfully Emulate UK style dominance over the world system. When the US saw the UK weakening in the early 20th century and the Sterling system weakening, so it thought that it could easily step into the shoes of the United States, which is why you have all these theories of Germany, they come. The US did not succeed in achieving this desire. Uh, In part, this was because the US had the misfortune of taking up the leadership of the capitalist world and the imperialist world. When the decline of imperialism had already set in. I consider, I think for obvious reasons, probably you guys do as well, uh, 1914 to have been the peak of imperialism and of the imperial system. And the long-term decline of the imperial system since 1914 has been occurring thanks to advancing multipolarity. So then how do we see the linkages between the New World War, the globalization and world governance? I think it should be clear by now that the U.S. is waging the new Cold war to stem this imperial decline, with the only means it has left, and that is coercive power. The United States has become economically so weak, it has run out of carrots with which to run the world economy. Now it only has sticks. And so it is going to win these sticks, but they are not going to have a lot of uh, effect. They are not going to have effective. Secondly, the very decline of the U.S. is ensuring that it cannot win the new Cold War but will only suffer perverse consequences, such as putting the system of world governance it has sought to construct over the past century in danger, and de-dollarization is the chief aspect of it. Obviously, the boomerang of sanctions is another part of it, and let me just say also to anticipate one of my conclusions, the demise of this system of world governance is not something we should shed many tears over. It was an imperial system of governance and we now have the opportunity to try to create a truly post-imperial system of world governance. China will, of course, play a very important role. And thirdly, of course, the crisis of imperial world governance gives the world, the world majority, this is uh, a term I learned on a recent trip to Russia, uh, when the Russian policymakers are scratching their heads saying, okay, what are we doing? Are we joining the third world? Are we joining, you know, what what grouping are we joining? So they've come up with this idea of the world majority, which is actually not a bad one. Anyway, so what the crisis of imperial governance gives the world, gives the world majority an opportunity to rebuild world governance including the world monetary and financial system on radically different post imperialist principles and so obviously we know that there are rising alternatives what we are witnessing more and more is the emergence of alternative institutions which can many of which will probably survive into a new post-improvement Government system, so they will probably be the building blocks or at least the early versions of the new post imperial governance system. So, we have new multilateral institutions, the new development bank, the contingency reserve agreement, and so on. These are the most important timing because of the centrality of China, the new China centered financial and development institutions, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, the Belt and Road Initiative, and more broadly the many sided lending activities of China's banks which are not necessarily covered under any of these rubrics. There are of course increasing number of bilateral agreements that use non-western currencies. More and more countries are trying to also stabilise their agreements to use each other's currencies, the currency swaps that stabilise the value of the mutual value of the currencies, and so on. So there are swap agreements. There are alternatives to a Western-dominated payment system. SWIFT. There is increasing exploration of the potential of digital currencies, centralised digital currencies, to aid in the process to facilitate trade between uh, countries without the use, resorting to the use of the dollar, and of course. Last but not least, the weaponization of the uh, dollar system uh, by the United States, most recently seen in the sequestering of Russian reserve, but it also has many uh, precursors. There was the seizure of Afghan reserves, the seizure reserves. So, all of these are instances of the way in which uh, the United States, despite all the rhetoric about how it provides its, the dollar to the world as a public good and its financial system as a public good, in fact, the financial system has always been happening in the interest of the United States corporations and entities. So, the weaponization of the dollar system, as it has increased, has made more and more countries well of uh, using the US dollar and the financial system.